Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Volunteer State, our five-star podcast from the Knoxville News Sentinel and USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer here with John Adams and Adam Sparks. Guys, Tennessee's got a five-star recruit to go with this five-star podcast after the Monday commitment of quarterback Nico Iamaleva pledged to the Vols, giving Tennessee its first five-star quarterback, assuming he signs, still got to get to December signing day, will be the first five-star quarterback for Tennessee since James Banks in 2002. (laughs) So you got to go back a couple decades. John, you remember the James Banks era? Yeah, I, I, I didn't remember that he was a five-star. He was kind of a two-and-a-half-star quarterback uh, on the field. Well, that would be the end of us talking about James Banks then. Okay. John, yeah. you got some historical perspective here. This commitment, five-star quarterback from California to Josh Heupel in year two, biggest pledge for Tennessee since when? Boy, that's a tough one, but the one that jumps out at me was was Lane Kiffin late in the recruiting season. Kiffin committed was, to the Vols? In 2000. Now, he, when he, he was committed coaching, from the Vols. No, he, I think he went to Fresno State, didn't he? Uh, 2009, he signed Bryce, Bryce uh, Brown, who was the number one running back in the country. And that just kind of came out of nowhere. It was a huge get, and it really gave the program some momentum. The hiring of Kiffin did too, and uh, then the uh, and that recruitment I thought was the crown jewel of his of his recruiting class, which didn't live up to expectations, and neither did Bryce Brown. Adam, Nico obviously is um, well. Tennessee fans hope he'll be better than James Banks or Bryce Brown, but at, at this stage. It's a, it seems like a game changer for for Tennessee's trajectory here. If they can start bringing in five star quarterbacks, that that raises the bar for what Tennessee's capable of here. How do you think this this happened? I mean, we, you know, as I said, it's it's not every day, it's not every year, it's not every decade that Tennessee gets a five star quarterback. How were they able to land this? One? You know, if you if you think the rumors are true, there's some major NIL money in here. Um, I, some of that speculation, some of that's tied to uh, one report that doesn't name Nico. Um, it's possible. Uh, I mean, I think he got a lot of NIL money. What that number is, I'm, I'm not real sure. That had a hand in it. Um, I think the fact that, you know, he was looking at Alabama and Georgia as well as Oregon and Miami, but Alabama and Georgia are also after Arch Manning. And, you know, Nico was number two, sort of a consolation prize, I think, for either of those schools. And um, Tennessee was not in the Arch Manning sweepstakes. So, you know, Nico was the top of their board. I think that that weighed into his decision a little bit. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into this. I, I do think he looks at Josh Hopple's offense and says, this is something where I can put up a whole lot of numbers and play in, a, in an exciting offense. And 
we didn't know if that would sell as well um, at this level. Um, Josh Hopwell has sold that offense elsewhere, but it's usually with three or four star quarterbacks. The fact that he had, he will have a five star now, if Nico indeed signs in December, and it's a long time from now, then we'll see uh, an elite talent or the possibility of an elite talent with you know the what what was the highest scoring offense in UT history last year, and that that'll be a pretty pretty unique pairing. It's interesting when a five-star quarterback, you could say, could be a consolation prize. I don't think he is for for Tennessee, as you pointed out, Adam. I think for for Alabama and Georgia, maybe he would have been the consolation to Arch Manning, who you know Alabama and Georgia have have long been among the headliners for for Arch Manning, the number one overall prospect from this recruiting class, who's uncommitted, of course, the nephew of Peyton Manning. But for Tennessee, this isn't a consolation prize. I think, you know, Nico could have been for Alabama or Georgia. John, how do you see this, you know, in terms of this is the same class that Arch is in? Do you think it, it, it was extra important for Tennessee to, you know, to land a really good quarterback here, knowing that what that Manning name knee means around Knoxville? They knew they weren't going to get Arch. So you got to deliver somebody, and I mean they delivered a pretty big fish. If if you if you move past Arch, you, you still get you know Nico there in the in the top five in terms of the quarterback rankings and a, and a five star recruit. Tennessee has never been in the Arch Manning sweepstakes, so I just think, regardless of his being in this class or not, I think this was so important for Tennessee football. I think it's a tremendous. Uh, sign a, a, a promising sign for where Tennessee football is headed and and Adam mentioned it already and from everything I read and I mean we don't have a solid source that says he's getting a lot of NIL money but I think all the top of the line quarterbacks are getting a lot of NIL money now they go through a collective which which pairs schools with athletes and you can get together and you can work this thing out. And I think it sh- it says a lot about Tennessee's fan base. It's a fluent fan base. I think Tennessee fans are desperate and they're tired of being mediocre. And now they have the uh, opportunity to buy themselves back into prominence. And I think that's what that's the explanation for this. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been attracted to Tennessee and Josh Heupel, since Heupel is a really good uh, offensive coach. But I, I just think this has to be about money. Does this quiet the final concern about Josh Heupel? Because I think, you know, year one, he exceeded expectations. The offense looked good as advertised. He helped the quarterbacks almost overnight. I mean, we can talk about how he picked the wrong starter out of the gates and Joe Milton, but whatever. You know, he moved on. He he switched to Hinton Hooker. Hooker had this, the best season of his career by far. You know, I think he, he showed a lot of positive signs, but still for me, and I think many others, there was that lingering thought of, is he going to recruit at a high enough level to, to shoot Tennessee up the ladder in the SEC? Now he's landing commitments from a five-star quarterback. Does this put that concern to rest, do you think? Yeah, it puts it to that question to rest. But I mean, there's there's always another question. Uh, unless you're Nick Saban, you've still got questions that sort of follow you uh, each each sort of rung on the ladder you you make in this conference. And I mean, the next one for Josh Hopple would be, can you can you pick the right quarterback? This came into play this past year when you had the quarterback competition, and he chose 
Joe Milton over Hendon Hooker. He had to go back to Hendon Hooker, and that worked out great. He, he developed him. He worked him into his offense. A year from now, we're probably going to look at Nico and Taven Jackson, a, a very good quarterback, a four-star quarterback who I'm, I'm watching in spring practice this week. And we're going to say, is he going to pick the right one? That, that's going to be the next question because it, let's say if you look at Milton and Hooker uh, this past season, Milton was the one more physically imposing that you more you were, that you were impressed physically with. I'm not saying that's Nico, but in the in the comparison here, that would be more Nico. Uh, six foot five, cannon for an arm, looks the part, tremendously athletic. He's actually a phenomenal volleyball player, run, jump, all the measurables. Um, and Taven Jackson is he, he's not the same type of quarterback as Hendon Hooker, but he's a very good quarterback, but less wow factor to him. Is is Nico the sure thing in there, or is, can Taven Jackson take advantage of an extra year in the offense? And so we'll see another quarterback competition. And so maybe UT won't have to go through it this year, but they'll have to go it next through it next year. It's a good problem to have to have a five star and a four star competing. That's what other schools at the top of this conference uh, do, and that's that looks like that's what's going to happen next spring. When you sign a player of that magnitude, or or get a commitment in this case it can impact your entire class because this is the kind of quarterback that other guys want to play with. I'm speaking in, in the offensive realm here, but you, you're going to attract receivers. There's no question about that. So that's why the, the commitment uh, at this time is significant for Tennessee. Uh, As far as the competition goes, I think coaches are go for the wow factor. I think particularly the guys with the great offensive reputation because when they look at a raw talent and, and most people coming out of high school, some are more polished than others, but there is a, you know, there are things to, you have to learn to do in the college game and make that transition. They think they're the guy that can best shepherd this guy through the process. Just give me the guy with the tools and I'll make him into a superstar. I think that's how the, the real offensive gurus think. Yeah, and I want to make this clear too that uh, you know what I was just saying there about Taven Jackson, four star, and Nico, a five star. The difference in guys with that sort of rating is that a four star guy looks like a phenomenal football player, but may have a few questions, a few imperfections. If they can work those out and develop, then you you know you have an all conference top player. A five star is a guy. Usually there's anywhere from two to five in a given year in a class in the country. Uh, there's five uh, in Nico's class. Those guys are ones that you look at and say there's no real imperfections. I had a story in the Knox News this week that that broke down over the previous decade, how many five-star quarterbacks there have been and how, how much they panned out. And there were 22 in 10-year in stretch. More than half of them transferred. 13 of the 22 transferred. but there's a cross-section of these, 12 of the 22, a little over half, ended up being star players. Uh, about half of those ended up being Heisman winners or Heisman candidates. Uh, Bryce Young, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Jameis Winston, Justin Fields, the list goes on and on. You bet better than 500 of having a phenomenal NFL early round pick Heisman candidate guy. More than 50% you get with a five-star quarterback. Again, the the 
flip the the other side of the coin of that is they usually don't wait long. So again, 13 of the 22 have transferred. So what you're getting there with a five-star quarterback is the potential, the likelihood that he will be a program difference-making player, but you also get a guy that typically has been impatient that does not wait to his junior senior year to play. You have to play him early and you have to play him often, and that's what maybe you'll get with Nico. Maybe the asterisk on that is if the NIL money is as high as it's as rumored, you may have a guy that's locked into a contract for longer term. And so that that's a guy that maybe isn't wouldn't transfer because the NIL would keep them at their uh at their current community around that one university. So it'll be interesting to see in this new era that we have the transfer portal in NIL, if a five-star guy will hang out longer and if they'll play him early. Even a five-star quarterback, there, there's only so much one recruit can do, but I think it's in terms of, of game-changing commitments, this is about as big as it could get for for Tennessee. But I know there's always a danger in, in, in saying that things are going to change overnight. I mean, Ed Ogeron said, we coming and, LSU came and and went and and then that was that you know Philip Fulmer in 2019 roared the Vols are back and uh, a couple years later Fulmer and Jeremy Pruitt were out of a job so I I get that there's a danger of going into this territory but does this commitment sort of plant a flag for Tennessee and send a message to the rest of the conference that you can't count the Vols out anymore you can't consider Tennessee to be a laughing stock they've got a, a, a head coach who doesn't make a fool for himself, knows offense, seems to know quarterbacks. You know, they got their first five-star quarterback commitment in 20 years. Do you think this is sending any sort of shockwaves throughout the rest of the conference that, oh, maybe Tennessee's chugging along the track here and aren't aren't going to be an afterthought anymore? I think that, I mean, you need to get more than one guy. But when when I was listening to Adam uh, relate those percentages of how many quarterbacks have become stars out of five stars and it's pretty good percentage that they make it and they aren't a bust so you go back and Tennessee got a five-star quarterback in James Banks way back when and he was a bust so the odds based on those numbers the odds are very good that this guy will be the real deal I think now the five-star guys are more developed than they were 10 years ago I think they've they've got passing trainers. They've got all the they they've been in a different an offense that complements their ability. So I think this is uh, I think it's just a great sign for Tennessee. I think what it does too is that it sort of stretches out the narrative around the the positive narrative around Josh Hopple in his tenure because you know it was a good first year, a lot of positive vibes coming out of the first year. Uh, year two is that a lot of guys return, hitting hookers back. Maybe they build on it with this schedule. They can win a little more. And it looked like that may be the stopping point or the pause point. Okay, w- what then? Now you've got something for uh, uh, a year and a half from now. Well, the five-star quarterback's coming to town. So when you're talking about the perspective around the conference, I think it it pushes the positive vibes for Josh Hopple's tenure forward. It's good first year. Okay, Hendon Hooker and build on the second year, and then look that they can keep rolling with a five-star quarterback, and then you keep on going from there. I, I think there's, there, you're not in danger of pausing momentum now. I think you have a better chance of pushing momentum forward with this. That's a really good point. Um, it, it just, 
it keeps um, that momentum rolling. I think even if let's say even if this season is another you know, seven, seven and six year, or, or say they, they win eight games. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of high hopes for this season, but let's say it's a good, but not great year. I don't think that tamps down the, um, the long-term outlook for Tennessee because of, of what you just said, Adam, the, the five-star quarterback coming in. That, I think that's a, that's a great point. You know, John, I mentioned James Banks and, you know, you, the James Banks era, as we've alluded to, didn't turn out to be much, but you go back before that, and the five-star quarterback Tennessee brought in then a couple of years before was Casey Clawson. And I had a pretty darn good career for Tennessee. Won a lot of big games for the Vols. Do you, do you think Casey Clawson was, did he deliver on that, that five-star rating or come pretty close, do you think? I guess you could say his career was more of a four-star. When you think of a five-star, you think of first-round NFL draft picks, don't you? I mean, Casey wasn't that, but you would certainly take him, uh, somebody that won that many games, and he came in, didn't always he got he took a lot of shots. He didn't always have the best blocking, but he did at some some point. He was just very competitive, very effective, and um, started as a freshman, as a true freshman. He won the job about four games in and never let go of it. So. Yeah, if you get a guy now, well, you, you can't really hope if he's that good. You think of him as a three-year starter. But the situation is set up for him to start right away if he's that good. As Adam pointed out, Tavian Jackson will certainly have a say in that. He'll have a year, a years of knowledge in the system ahead of uh, Nico. I almost tried to say his last name. I don't want to venture down that path. Um, so – yeah, I just think, and, and, you know, to piggyback off what, what Adam said, um, the positive momentum, for example, it, every the college game is so geared to a quarterback now. So next year, if Tennessee has a good year, or if it has a year just as good as, as this past one for ten, by Tennessee standards, fans are going to be a little concerned about losing a starting quarterback. But now, as Adam pointed out, you can look ahead and say, well, Heck, we might even have a better quarterback coming down the path. Let me give you sort of a scale that we're talking about. Again, the past 10 years of five-star quarterbacks. Top end, Trevor Lawrence. The the sort of the middle, Bo Nix. And the bottom, Jeff Driscoll. Remember, Jeff Driscoll was at Florida, didn't mm-hmm. work out, ended up at Louisiana Tech. So that that's sort of the range that we're talking about. If you get a Trevor Lawrence... Or, or, a, or a Bryce Young or a Kyler Murray or Justin Fields, any of those guys. Of course, obviously, that's a, that's a home run. That's a Heisman candidate, uh, player of the year type guy. That's the top end. Um, you don't want a Jeff Driscoll. You don't want a guy that just sort of flames out and you have to start somebody else and he transfers elsewhere. What about a Bo Nix? Uh, I mean, how do you guys, do you, do you think it's, if you end up with a Bo Nix, a guy that, SEC freshman of the year, had an all SEC season, won some won some big games, put up a lot of numbers, played for a long time. He's going to transfer now to finish up. But should UT fans be happy with somewhere? Would they be satisfied with somewhere in the middle, like a like a Bo Nix? Yeah, I think you wait twenty years for a five star quarterback and he becomes Bo Nix. Uh-uh. I think that's a disappointment. I mean, Auburn fans weren't happy with Bo Nix. He was a talented guy who was a 
terribly inconsistent at Auburn. And and he could have had more talent around him. He could have had better receivers the last couple of years. But still, that's not what Tennessee fans are thinking. Nobody said, man, we could have the next Bo Nix. Whoopee. What about a Christian Hackenberg? He's on this list. That's the all-time. That's the all-time passer in Penn State history. But you could have given John five guesses as to who the all-time leading passer is in Penn State history, and I don't think he would have got to Christian Hackenberg. I, I know I would come close, and I, I can't even remember watching him for one play. Okay, what? so then we're talking about UT fans should be satisfied if Nico is an All SEC quarterback. Well, he could be competing with uh, Arch Manning for that first-team All-SEC spot. What does this mean for Taven Jackson, though? Because as you said, Adam, it's not like there has to be a landslide of difference between a five-star guy and a four-star guy. There's plenty of four-star quarterbacks out there across the country every year that put up big numbers, and some four-star guys have better careers than some five-star guys. And so they have a four-star guy in the fold now. I know you've seen him at practice, Adam. And, and of course, yeah, early in the spring, he's probably going to debut somewhere around third on the, on the depth chart. I know you've, you've written as much. You got Hinton Hooker back. You got Joe Milton back. But projecting long term, more so than just in this moment, what does the commitment from Nico mean for Taven Jackson? Well, for Taven Jackson, I mean, I think it speeds up his clock. Um, you know, we've talked about this in previous pods about who you play as the number two quarterback this year. Hayden Hooker's a starter. Do you play Milton or do you play Taven Jackson? Taven Jackson, they could afford to slow play him as a freshman here. If you're Taven Jackson, you have to have at least a sense of am I the backup that could then start next year? Or am I still the number three? Do they not trust me to be the backup this season to Hidden Hooker? And if that's the case, you got to feel like you lose the ground that you otherwise would have gained in your freshman year. Because if, if you're still the clear-cut number three and they trust Joe Milton more than you, let's say in November, well, Nico's coming in January. He'll be an early enrollee. And you, you have the potential of just not even getting a leg up. If you're Taven Jackson and you can play yourself into that backup role, then I think you feel confident, a little more confident, of being a half a step ahead of Nico when he gets on campus. He, he has to take advantage of this head start. Uh, otherwise, you run the risk of Nico coming in, taking the spot, saying this is a better version of, of Taven Jackson. And then you're talking about a guy that could jump into the portal. Not to say that he would, but that's the era that we're in in college football now. I want to close with with this. You guys have been in this state, obviously, a lot longer than than I have. Uh, I know, Adam, you know, before this year you were covering uh, Vanderbilt, but you've been around the conference. You've been around Tennessee. John, you've been here since General Neyland. So both of you probably have better perspective than I on this. But it seems like for me, and tell me if it goes back further to this, if I'm missing something, this would be the most excitement around Tennessee football since entering the 2016 season where the Vols were coming off a nine-win year. They they crushed, I believe it was Northwestern in the bowl game coming into 2016. And, of course, then frustrations mounted in, in 2016 because Tennessee had a great chance of, of winning the division that year after starting 5-0. and They fizzled, and, and Butch Jones came into the 17 season on the hot seat. But do you think this is – as much excitement that's been around Tennessee football since entering that 2016 season, or 
do you have to go back even farther than that, do you think? Well, uh, I think in 2016, yeah, that was a high point. And I'll, I'll put you a little closer to now, not just before the 16th season, but after winning those big games, early season games against uh, Florida and Georgia. I think that was the – that was the most excited Tennessee fans had been probably. And you might have to go all the way back to 2001 when they beat Florida in December to, to win the SEC East and go play LSU in the championship game with an opportunity to play for the national title. There were some good seasons in between, but the, I think of those as high watermarks in terms of fan optimism enthusiasm 2001 and then not again until way up in 2016 and and i think now because i think mainly fans really believe in josh heupel they really think now they have a good coach and i don't think they've thought that a lot for a while yeah i'll i'll throw another one in here what about finishing up lane kiffin's year in 09 i I understand that was a loss in the bowl that year but i I do feel like just from a 5,000 foot view, so to speak, I feel like UT fans looked at that and say, we think this guy can win consistently. We think this guy can bring in talented players. We think this under this guy, there's an identity to the team. Kiffin then, Hopple now. Um, I think people looked at and said, this will work over a five-year stretch. Maybe with Butch, there was still still some sense that this mm, is up now, it could go down. I, I, I feel like with Lane Kiffin, at the end of that first year, there was a belief that this is going to steadily go up. And I think that's more of the sense that I get with how people feel about Josh Heupel. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think people compare – Josh Heupel, in terms of as an offensive coach, they compare him to uh, to Lane Kiffin and what Lane Kiffin offered the program. Josh Heupel doesn't have the same outrageous personality, but in terms of offense, yeah, that that's a good. But I don't think people really were convinced that that Butch was a real deal. But you had to give him his due when he beat Florida and Georgia back to back. Yeah, and in the in the almost five years I've been here, there hasn't been a ton to celebrate. I think about on the heels of that 2019 season, um, Tennessee was was flying high with the way they finished that year. Big win over, a close win, but an important win over Indiana. It seemed like at the time in the bowl game and and uh, coming off a good recruiting class. But th- even then, you know, it wasn't that many months before that Tennessee started that season. Oh, and two, the Georgia State loss is still kind of lingering in the back of the mind. So I, I think. You know, certainly the excitement now has to exceed that. So I think what we're landing on is, yeah, that 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 start of the 2016 season is a good comparison, and then after, before that, you got to go back to the Lane days to find something comparable to now. Maybe, maybe Blake with with Jeremy Pruitt, the the six game winning streak to close out the season, and he follows that up with two wins in in 2020 and he's he's leading georgia at the half (laughs) very specific (laughs) yeah but i mean that was a pretty good moment for tennessee the vols looked pretty good against uh, georgia in that first half and you know they've already got two 
They had a really impressive win against Missouri. They beat South Carolina. Not a great win, but the momentum, eight wins in a row, and you're leading Georgia at the half, and then it just all, all fell apart. That's a that's a good reminder of yeah how quickly things swirled the swirled the drain for for Jeremy Pruitt. But uh, it's not going in that direction right now. And uh, the spring practice underway. Adam will have all the coverage throughout the spring over at KnoxNews.com, and you can also check out uh, his continuing coverage in the aftermath of this commitment uh, from the five star quarterback potential program changer for Tennessee. Thanks for listening to this edition of Volunteer State. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.